0: Detroit Strange:
1: Welcome back to Detroit Strange.
2: This podcast
1: that you're listening to. Right now.: That's Jess over there.
0: And that's
2: Alex over there. We did all the things.:
0: We did all the things. Yeah.
2: Look at us.:
1: Yeah almost three years in (laughs) yeah we were just talking about how good tv has been to us lately
2: it really has and i don't know if that's healthy but like (laughs) i mean there's been some great
1: stuff i've watched recently yeah i same i know we both watched the dropout because we're just like kind of talking about the finale yeah which like you kind of mentioned like I don't remember much of what happens. And now that I'm thinking back, I don't remember a ton either.
2: I mean, the whole series just kind of all goes together in my head, to be honest. So I don't know when what happened. Not that we're going to talk about that anyway, because that would be a spoiler and it is new. Altogether, it was far more interesting than I even thought it was going to be. Right. I thought It's such
1: a crazy story. Yeah.
2: I thought it was just kind of like. Somebody lied, basically. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And. Which like, when you pull it down
1: what it is, but it's just the layers to the lie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There was definitely a lot going on there and it was I, I very well action. performed as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, to see Freed. She mm-hmm. really, I liked her on that.
2: Yeah. And I'm glad she had a role like that because I feel like she's had a variety of roles, but I feel like this was like a farther departure yeah than kind of where she started i guess because she used to do you Karen know Karen
1: from mean girls
2: yeah and she yeah. did a lot of those characters early on which make you know yeah it makes sense to develop and right. find new things and she's worked a lot so she's done a lot in yeah. her whole catalog but it was cool to see her in this kind of role which was just kind of she's always like kind of lovable usually yeah and this was a different character yeah it's great Good job.
1: Especially because she just has like big eyes and just like the big glassy eyes with this mm-hmm. character. I would just... Mm-hmm. It was, it was a whole vibe. She sold it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested
1: it's... to see how Jennifer Lawrence does because she's starring... They're making a movie about it and she's starring oh, in Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Battle of the Holmes.
2: I bet she'll do a, a good job. I, I think she's pretty talented, but it is weird to do that
1: now. Well, it's weird because like, so... Basically, there was this ABC podcast, which became a Hulu yes. show series.
2: That's like the thing now.
1: Yeah. It's podcasts turning into TV series. Well, then there was also like a two hour long documentary on HBO, I think, about this Makes like, sense based off of like another either like article or a book or something like called like Out for Blood or something. They oh, love to yeah. use a blunt pun. Yeah, well, yeah. How could you? And Why I not? think that the movie may be based off of that. Okay. So, it's just kind of like how many times can we retell the same story, but also it's a fascinating story, so I'll watch it again,
2: yeah, oh definitely, and hey, thank you for recommending it to me. It was on my radar, but I wasn't totally
1: sold, yeah, and I'm glad I dove into it i yeah, I just like I fell into a YouTube rabbit hole about like two months before this I remember i like we I probably talked about it on here, but like I just like fell into a YouTube rabbit hole and then, like got onto her and just like watched like this like half hour long documentary about her. I'm like, this is crazy. Cause like, I thought I knew what the story was. The basically, like, oh, she lied. But like, mm-hmm. there's just so much. Mm-hmm. That's how I actually felt
2: watching the Pam and Tommy show. I haven't watched it yet. Isn't any it good? It's very good. It was far more interesting than I knew that story would be because it goes into like a lot of social yeah kind of things. I won't say too much, but... It was re- very well performed. They both look like who they were portraying in a like almost creepily like yeah. accurate way. And it involves other people other than them that I definitely didn't know existed in the world. So it it was well done. I, I was told that Pamela Anderson did not. She's not a fan, I've heard. Yes. Yeah. But there's supposed to be, I think, a documentary that she's involved in yeah. also coming out. So I'm eager to watch that to see the she other it. She made her Broadway
1: debut recently in Chicago. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. I love I'll, that for her. All I'll say is after watching that series, though, I love her. Yeah. So she wasn't, it wasn't bad, but <laughs> like. Yeah. But I also understand like your personal story being. Right. dramatizes. They is, really,
1: like, that was also just the era where they were really about dragging women through the mud as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Just that like mid to oh, late Oh, yeah. Well, no. And it, I mean,
2: it touches. A lot of social, yeah things are are touched in it, I would say I was highly entertained by it. It was oh, yeah. a very interesting show. Uh, there were some performers in it I wasn't expecting, and I'm glad that they were, yeah, and yeah, but i'm I'm all about these like dramatized it's true like stories lately. Like,
1: another show I was watching is Julia about Julia Child's Reenactments of True Stories, yeah. I think like that's a big trend right now. I've been watching The Girl from Plainville, which is a that's about the girl who texted her boyfriend, like yes, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anybody who
2: listens to true crime podcasts at all has definitely heard it, uh, yeah. at least
1: a few times. I remember reading about it when it was happening. Well,
2: yeah, it's such an interesting, like, new space, I guess. Yeah, uh, and then it happened again, like a couple months later. I also watched a, oh, a twenty twenty about it too. Uh, cause okay. that series isn't done yet. It's yeah. like halfway through, but that's another one where they didn't necessarily talk to the people involved. They just yeah. uh, used what's around them, but it is well done.
0: Yeah. So
2: I, I guess it's a reminder to take all those kind of series with a little grain of salt. But on yeah. the other side of that, sometimes they do. I watched impeachment recently cause it was finally available on streaming platforms. I have.
0: Yeah.
2: And that was, it was interesting. I will say, for me, parts of it were a little slow, but they actually talked to, like, Monica Lewinsky yeah, when they were creating it. So Also, isn't it Beanie Feldstein?
1: Yes, who plays yes, her? and
2: I love her. It took I me a second. I love
1: her, too. She, I, I don't know why I keep getting articles about Broadway, because mm-hmm. I'm not like <laughs> that. Like, I don't go see shows that often, but I just keep notifications, but she's... In Funny Girl, I'm probably right now. Oh,
2: wonderful! Isn't that just like the perfect yeah. role? I feel like for her. Yeah. 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 No, she's very exuberant. Like she has a lot of expression to yeah. her, and she's she's just a damn delight to watch. Oh, absolutely. In anything, so please make more things for me to watch. Uh, yes. <laughs> there has just been so many of those types of shows recently that I'm really drawn to. Somebody also told me to watch the thing about Pam, which is another based on actual things okay it was a podcast uh the podcast was like a documentary style yeah and then this is a dramatized version starring renee zellweger on hulu okay and i don't know a ton about it so i won't say much but it has been recommended and then i was listening to another podcast today and they were talking about it too so i was like okay now i've heard two recommendations so i think it's probably it's gonna be time soon although i am in the middle of re-watching twin peaks right now so
1: I've never seen it.
2: That I'm not shocked. I mean, it took me a long time to see it because I was a child when it came out uh-huh. and you might have not existed. I don't remember what year it came out. So yeah. It is a weird show and it's interesting. Anybody who's into David Lynch should
1: definitely, definitely watch it. What else has he done? I hear his name a lot.
2: Uh, oh, Mulholland Drive.
0: Okay. Heard you, of it. I haven't seen it. Really? Yeah.
2: It's interesting. I I mean, I like it, but it wouldn't. Uh-huh. it's interesting. It's it's a tr- a little bit of a trip. Some of his stuff is really trippy and some of it's sort of trippy. <laughs>
1: it's different.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I mean, it's very artistically thought out. Like Twin Peaks, for example, it's not acted in a normal way. It's a very like over-the-top kind of all the emotions are like really big and like really like serious. I get that. I watched so like a
1: clips of it today because I was... Trying to study Kyle McLaughlin's voice because I had to do like a voiceover as him.
2: Okay. He was also involved in um Blue Velvet.
1: Okay, heard of it. Haven't seen it.
2: Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that one, so I couldn't even really tell you too much about it. Eraserhead was like an early one that he okay. was really well known for. I actually just saw that. It's a landmark main art theater a few years ago, which is oh. now no more and going away. I saw other
1: people protesting. Well, because like they're tearing it. it
2: down now, too. Oh, it's not just closed. Yeah, they're going to build shit. like a... No. I think I overheard of like five-story, multi-purpose, blah, 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 the rest of the area, basically. Oh,
1: it's so unfortunate because it's probably going to happen. Oh, no, it's
2: going... I mean, like, it's underway. It hasn't been torn down yet, but... That's such a bummer. Yeah yeah so but there's i mean david lynch there's a lot of other stuff too in there
1: yeah
2: twin peaks fits into the the, it's like a movie show kind of thing the way that it was shot which was not normal at that time period it it was new a new style of tv kind of almost for its time period and then it has it's just got it's such a complicated space Uh and it's got it's Got paranormal, true crime, like all the vibes kind of rolled into this one thing. And then Kyle McLaughlin, which Dale Cooper, Damn fine Cup of Coffee, and Cherry Pie, like just, it's such a great character. There's so many great characters in the show. It's yeah. a really good character study if you're like, I'll
1: have to check it out. I really like, as I was watching, because like one of the videos I watched was Kyle McLaughlin breaking down his like most iconic roles. And of mm-hmm. course, they had a couple minutes about, um, Twin Peaks. Yeah. And he's so good in it. Just from the clips of like this looks interesting. And also just Kyle McLaughlin because I really the first thing I saw him in was Desperate Housewives mm-hmm. as Orson Hodge, Bree Vandekamp's husband.
2: Yeah. No, I, I you said that the other day when yeah. we were talking about Kyle McLaughlin, and I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot he was in that, but I remember
0: Yeah. It was,
1: he's
2: good. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then like Sex in the City too.
2: See, for me, my other go-to with him is Portlandia. And it will always be Portlandia where he plays the mayor of Portland. And it's so funny. And then the actual mayor of Portland plays his assistant. I love that. Yeah. Ugh, that show. I love Portlandia. For that type of show, uh-huh. you know, like comedy, like kind of sketch, but not really, because it's definitely one of the where things flow together. Yeah. It I. It was genius. <laughs> It hit me at a time in my life where it was the show I needed when it came out.
1: I've seen bits and pieces, but never like a whole episode, I don't think. I've got
2: favorites if we want
1: to watch. Absolutely. But I think we also have updates, right?
2: Yeah. These are some things I think that we were just kind of side talking about, which, you know, when I'm editing, I'm like, oh, yeah, we did talk about that thing. Yeah. And these are things I think are interesting. Yeah. So hopefully you do too. So I think it was last episode we were talking about when were coolers invented? Yeah, Because we were talking about the transportation via boxes of a yes. body that was a poor choice. Yeah. They were invented in 1951. Okay. So they were definitely around. Who knows how prevalent they were?
0: Yeah.
2: Or how fast they spread. Yeah. But they were a technology that existed at that it time. They would have
1: been too expensive to put a body in, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and they were invented in New Zealand.
1: Oh, it's a Kiwi invention. Mm-hmm. Love that. So
2: I imagine... They had to spread decently quick, though, because it was of its- the
1: 50s. I imagine it didn't take super long, but probably like. Not like fidgets, but a fast. second.
2: Yeah, a second. Um, And actually, I mean, the original inventor is kind of unknown because there's been versions. But I think 1951 marks that kind of like. Here's this item for this purpose and. blah blah. Yes. Blah. The other thing I think is from a couple episodes we were talking about when lightning strikes the sand. Yeah. Yes. It looks nothing like it does in Sweet Home Alabama, but... Of course
1: it doesn't. It
2: is called fulgurite. Okay. And it kind of looks like um, coral almost. Okay. Like it's almost still that tree shape, but with like a little bit more on it. Uh-huh. Do you know that kind of coral? It looks exactly like that. Now, there are some smaller pieces that might be a little clearer, but for the most part, it's kind of like a milky white. Yeah. Yeah. But basically... The lightning does strike and it does melt the sand, which we know. Yes. Sand equals eventually glass. glass. Yeah. So it's kind of like a really dirty glass. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's not going to make
1: sense it just like be completely pure. Right. It wasn't like heated slowly over time. It was like an instant flash of heat.
2: Mm-hmm. And also because it's heated so quickly as it cools down, it picks up everything around it because yeah. you have the layers. You know what I mean? Like you probably have the core that might even be clear. And then you have that like layer that didn't quite melt. And then that layer that really didn't quite melt. And then that layer that like just barely sticks or whatever. So I think that's why it's like that. But it is, like I said, it is kind of tree like, but it looks more under the sea than anything else. But yeah, Fulgurite, you can buy some on eBay, (laughs) not eBay, Etsy. Yeah, probably both. Probably both. Yeah. So Sweet Home Alabama did us (laughs) dirty did me dirty because i'm like oh that's real i totally believe that now
1: i mean i'm not surprised that sweet home alabama did us dirty but i also hate when movies do that to me because i I may even mention this on the show but like in goldfinger like they talk about skin suffocation is a real thing and it's not
0: what does that mean
1: like, there's a woman who is like basically dipped in gold paint and like she died of skin suffocation, even like burlesque, oh. leave a small patch of skin so their skin can, like, something like that. I'm like, no. oh my God, really? And then, like, years later, even after taking like multiple anatomy mm-hmm. classes, I was just kind of like, didn't like, I didn't think about it. And then I was like, that's gotta be false.
2: Yeah, that's not how our skin Respiration. works. Respiration. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe on a frog. Because don't they right. breathe They breathe through their skin, I believe.
1: Yeah. And I mean, humans do to like a very yes. minor extent, but like not enough where like if your skin is covered in something, you're going to asphyxiate. Asfix- but also. Yes.
2: Just to play devil's advocate. Didn't the Tin Man, the original Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz die because of the
1: silver paint? Probably, but probably after like a long time. I don't think he died like yeah. mid-production, you know? No. They, repl- Did they he?
2: replaced him, I think. <gasps> I'm pretty sure. I haven't. I didn't look this up right now. I that's in my head is truth.
1: This <laughs> is Gondolo. I yeah. did not know that the Tin Man was replaced because he died. I think
2: that's a thing. And also, I know that uh, what is her name in the X Men movies
1: with the blue body paint had some problems. Oh, Rebecca Romaine?
2: Yes, there was something I'm sorry, with try that. that. Again,
1: with like consonants, Rebecca Romain. Yes,
2: I don't. But I mean, obviously, she's okay but i know yeah. that they had some issues of some sort with that body paint she's more being than okay an issue. she's great <laughs> i guess both of those though two yeah. could have been inhalation issues yeah just because it's so close to you then
1: and it's constantly kind of coming in right and who knows what's in those paints
2: yeah well i think the tin man one was maybe lead based or something like oh, really probably.
1: Bad. it was probably like lead mixed with heroin mixed with actual melted silver just slather this on you
2: here we go. So we looked it up really quick. Ray Bolger originally was cast to play the Tin Man in the 1939 movie, Wizard yep. Oz. And he traded roles with Buddy Epson, who had initially been cast to play the Scarecrow. And Epson recorded all his songs, finished four weeks of rehearsal, and completed costuming before you know they started. They tested costumes and makeup to make him appear silvery. And they tried covering him with tin, silvery paper, and silver colored cloth. Car- Cloth covered cardboard but then they decided to go with white face paint coated with aluminum dust oh god nine days into filming epson started to experience shortness of breath and cramping that sent him to the hospital at one point his lungs failed he remained hospitalized for two weeks during which the film's producer hired actor jake haley to replace him the makeup- that's cold yeah. the makeup was reformulated into a paste that was then painted on Haley missed four days of filming when the makeup caused an eye infection, but he did not suffer any permanent damage, nor did he lose the job. So nobody died.
0: Which is good, but it
2: poisoned them.
0: Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. If they only had a brain.
2: (laughs) So glad that they didn't die. Uh, This is where rumors start, by the way, too, is when you miss yeah inaccurately remember something and tell it is fact let's not do that but that's why we have the internet so
1: right it does remind me there's this like interview with drag queens clip talking about stonewall and one of the drag queens who's just like not the brightest crayon in the box is like think about like people died at stonewall the other girl was like nobody died at stonewall bitch like
2: (laughs) uh you know sometimes people remember people dying that didn't ever happen, which is right? good. I mean, I'd rather it go in that direction than the other, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what that means. But <laughs> Wizard of Oz has some funky trivia, which is kind of fun. But oh,
0: for sure.
2: We won't get into that today. Maybe That's another that... time.
1: It was like one of the VHSs we had growing up. So I watched it a ma- many a time. I haven't watched it in a long time. It's been a
2: second for me. My dad was very fond of it because he grew up in Kansas.
1: Uh, Okay. Yeah.
2: We had like a piece of film from one of the original reels, like a special thing. And not that we had a bunch of paraphernalia, but I always knew like that was a special movie, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. Uh, So we definitely watched it around my house, a fair share. And I mean, it's, it's a good movie. It's a solid movie. Somewhere over the rainbow.
1: It's a, it's a
2: early bop. It's a very early bop. Yeah. It's also really fun to sing.
1: I believe it. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever sang it. I like when people play it on the theremin because it's spooky. Oh, yeah. That's a spooky instrument. It is. I really want one, but they're very expensive. That tracks. Because it's just weird science music.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I saw a whole concert of one once when I was uh, working as a bartender in a particular bar. And I was like, what is that? And I had to look it up immediately. and I was like, interesting.
1: Like that and a glass harmonica are just like weird, spooky instruments that I, I like. Think
2: they had that too at that. Co- they had a couple like things where I was like, what were is happening? Were they ghosts playing them? Yes. And then nobody was on stage. Nobody was even in the audience, actually. Um, they were all Turns ghosts. Turns
1: out I was a ghost the whole time. Yeah.
2: I'm a ghost right now. Wow. On to non-ghostly things. If I had a ghost story today, that would have been the perfect transition. Damn it. I got to go do another story. <laughs> I'll be right back. So I don't have a ghost story today.
0: Okay. As mentioned,
2: but I do have a story. Love it. Have you ever heard of Luke and Effie Phipps?
0: I've heard the last name before, but never (laughs) them.
2: I think there are other Phipps uh, throughout history. I have
0: cousins with last names. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah.
2: Picture it. August 10th,
0: 1883. The location? A ferry
2: named Hope on the Detroit River is traveling from Detroit to Windsor, a route it makes very often. When all of a sudden, chaos broke out as a man fires three shots into one of the women on board. Oh, shit. So why? Why indeed? Let's go back a bit. Okay. Luke Phipps was described as, quote, A nice fellow about 34 years old with fair brown hair and a sandy mustache. Love it. I say mustache because it was spelled M O U.
1: Isn't that how it's always spelled? Is it? I, think I so. don't know how
2: to spell. No, because it's underlined in my document. It has the red underlined of shame. Okay. In actuality, though, I will point out that Luke fix was not 34; he was actually 39. Not that so, big. Why of about 39. their age. <laughs> well, no, this guy said he about 30. This oh. this description was somebody trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke was, I don't like how I said Luke, Luke, Luke. So Luke was born in Hook Norton, Oxfordshire, England.
1: They love names over there. In
2: 1844 to parents, Marianne and George Phipps. The family didn't have a lot of money and his father basically worked whatever jobs he could in an overcrowded market for laborers. So not great. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't helped by other things such as the Napoleonic Wars, bad weather, and agricultural depression. So, just not a ton to do. Mm-hmm. In
0: 1850,
2: when Luke was six, his parents moved the family, which included his three brothers and two sisters, to Victor, Ontario County in New York State. And this was an attempt to escape this kind of poverty, you know, yeah. leave for America and find
0: the land dreams. of opportunity. Yes.
2: They didn't have much to their name, as mentioned, and the decision to make the trip couldn't have been easy because it still cost money. Yeah. They may have even walked by foot to Liverpool, which would have been about 160 miles away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's where the cross-Atlantic ships departed. But this was a speculation in one source, so I can't corroborate that. Mm -hmm. The travel on the ships wasn't actually any easier. The quarters and living situations were pretty brutal and quite neglectful of people. Mm -hmm. The voyage would lead to his youngest sister, who was just a baby, unfortunately passing away after being scalded. Damn. Mm -hmm. To make things worse, shortly after arriving in the state of New York, his mother, who had been sick for a while, died as well.
0: Damn. Yeah.
2: His family quickly deteriorated, and Luke, along with his brothers and his one sister, were then put up for adoption. Damn. Yeah. This was not be necessarily the last time he'd see them all, though, which is interesting. In 1860, his father, George, and his sister, Anne, according to census records, actually had ended up in Illinois working on a farm with his nephew's family. So from the research I did for this story, I get the feeling that sometimes people would be put up for adoption, but it didn't mean a parent didn't come
1: Kind of just like, Looking will you later? watch my kid for, like, kind yeah. of almost more Foster.
2: It it becomes a theme in this. It's not something I was necessarily aware of previous, this, yeah. but
1: it will come up again. There's a lot less paperwork those days.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is like 10 years later at this point too. Yeah. And as for Luke, he was adopted by a Mrs. Bushnell in Victor, New York. And Mrs. Bushnell was remembered by Luke as providing him with basically all the education he could ever want. Mm-hmm. In 1861, a then about 17 years old-ish, Luke enlisted in the Union Army when the Civil War broke out, even though he was still in school at the time. He would then get wounded in the war, but recovered and re-enlisted. During his re-enlistment to fulfill his three years, he actually joined alongside his brother and uncle, both named William. So again, kind of meeting up with the family a little bit, mm-hmm. but his uncle was killed in battle. So Dang. sad, yeah. After his time in the army, Luke traveled across North America, basically looking for work. And in 1872, in secret, he married a woman named Effie Brown, who was the daughter of a postmaster in upstate New York. Okay. Uh, Effie was also adopted. Okay. And her adopted father actually supported them on and off for some time.
0: That's nice. Yeah.
2: Eventually, the couple lived in Rochester, New York, and they ran a boarding house. Not sure how long that lasted, though, but not a super long time. Mm -hmm. During this time, Luke also picked up work in grocery stores, and he also tried his hand at farming a little bit. So really trying everything. Yeah. Eventually, they moved out west so Luke could meet up with his brother, William, in Shelbyville, Missouri. Okay. In 1882, Luke and Effie found themselves in Detroit. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Not sure exactly what brought them but it was we a draw on.
1: of the Paris of the Midwest. It
2: really was. And they were living and working in the exchange billiard room. I don't know if they were both working there or not. The way the wording was was kind of yeah. funky. So billiard society was a huge thing in the city at the time. Mm-hmm. And it had risen in popularity as a place for men and basically men only to go to drink, smoke and play pool. Uh-huh. So slightly nefarious activities, but nothing. Yeah. You know, The couple by this time had four children named William, Daisy, Louis, and Harry, and they had all been born between 1871 and 1878. There was a rumor that Luke and Effie were pretty easy going about extramarital affairs, Mm -hmm. but this would later prove to be at least somewhat false, at least on one side of the
1: relationship. I have a sinking suspicion I know which side. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Enter a man named Harry Livingstone, a co-worker at the Michigan Exchange. Luke and Effie had a room to spare in their house, and Effie had a bit of a spending problem. So Luke invited Harry to rent out their spare room, which he would later go on to call the greatest mistake of his life. Ooh. That November, and again, we're in 1882, Livingstone grew ill, so Effie began to attend to him. hmm Luke's job kept him very busy from very early in the morning until late at night. And eventually he started to grow a little suspicious of this whole thing.
0: Uh And so
2: he asked Livingstone to leave. That year on Christmas Day. Oh,
0: not Christmas.
2: Yep. Christmas Day. Luke, quote unquote, had trouble with Effie, which would result in him having a 30 day stay. At a Grand Resort spa. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. House of Corrections. I heard of her. Mm -hmm. In January of 1883, when Luke was released from the House of Corrections, he got home to discover an empty house. And by empty, I mean Effie had sold the furniture. No more Harry. Definitely no more Effie. And she had also taken their four children. Not with her. But she took their four children. To the home for the friendless, where Yikes. she was. Yeah, w- one source said she was paying for their board. Uh huh. But this is legit a straight up orphanage with the worst name I've ever heard for an orphanage in my life.
1: The home for the friendless is a little. It's like the la- Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow. Like. Exactly.
2: I was like, why? Yeah. I know this the eighteen hundred. Why? Why would you ever think that it was a good name?
1: They were just. You know, Mm. they Mm. thought they thought they were doing something. Mm
2: -hmm. So Effie would not let Luke see the children because she still had access to seeing them. This is where I'm like, I
1: didn't know this about. Extended daycare.
2: Yeah. And she also promptly filed for divorce.
1: Not a shock there. Mm -hmm.
2: It's hard to say exactly what happened that Christmas day Mm -hmm. because none of us were there. But... It's possible that there was a domestic dispute of some kind and kind of all signs point to that. Mm. It might have been driven by alcohol. Uh, he was known to imbibe, but definitely driven by his suspicions. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not usually a good combo. Suspicion and alcohol.
2: No. So Luke later went on to explain that the divorce claimed him to be a habitual drunkard who didn't support his family, and that he had also committed adultery himself, as well as other charges he chose not to mention. Of course, why would he? I A few evenings after Luke was served the divorce papers, a friend of his visited him while he was at work at the billiard hall. And he pointed to Harry Livingstone, who was behind the bar also working. And his friend told Luke to, quote, Watch that man and follow him. If you do, you can stop that application for divorce. So that's what Luke did. And when he followed him, he discovered that Effie and Larry had started living together as man and wife under assumed names. Oh, shit. At some point during this, Luke would also have Effie arrested for adultery. I mean... So there was a large custody battle over the children. I think a custody battle in the late 1800s was probably quite different than today. I can imagine. And there was also... Which one was all the children first? (laughs) Yeah. Like... There was also an, an attempt at reconciliation. I can imagine that didn't go well. It did not. It didn't work at all. There was also a series of like finger pointing, blaming, deceit, you know, things like that. So not happy times. And the children are shuttled back and forth from many locations. Mm -hmm. Uh, later down the line it was discovered that Effie left all the children with her parents at some point at one point during all this Effie stayed for two weeks at a hotel however other patrons of the hotel were soon requesting she leave because Luke tracked her down and was causing many disruptions so just messy
1: yeah very messy
2: eventually though Luke could not keep up with the whereabouts of everybody and he kind of lost sight of where his children were and even Effie herself There is also one source that indicated that one of the children passed during this time as well. I only saw it in one space, but there's a likelihood for it. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point during all this as well, (laughs) there's a lot of at some point during all this, but at some point Effie moved to Windsor, Ontario, just across the river. And by this time, travel between the two wasn't too difficult because you didn't really have to show anything. (laughs) Uh, It was easily done by ferry. Enter the ferry Hope, one of the ferries to make this trip daily. Hope was a side wheeler built by the Detroit Dry Dock Company that appeared in 1870. We're just going to do a little ferry knowledge here. Sure. By 1877, Hope had joined a number of well-known ferry boats under the corporation, the Detroit and Windsor Ferry Company, which in 1883 was renamed the Detroit, Belle Isle and Windsor Ferry Company, serving... Amherstburg, Detroit, Windsor, Belle Isle, Bois Blanc, hey. a Pablo, and Pesh Island.
1: Okay.
0: Other I'll
2: callbacks. Back. Yeah. yeah, that's why I included it. Yeah. So now we are back to August 19th, 1883. Luke was working the billiard hall. Hadn't seen anybody for a while. And he took his lunch break around 7 p.m. After eating, he walked down to the foot of Woodward on the Detroit River where the fairies usually departed from. This is when he thought he saw Effie, still legally his wife at this time, boarding the ferry Hope. So he decided to follow her. Initially, he approached her and the two began to talk in low tones. But according to Luke, Effie began to taunt him and his, in his own words, drove him
0: completely wild.
2: Yep. After this, he recalls nothing until he was knocked down and held by passengers of the ship.
1: I don't know what happened till I saw that I was rinsing blood off my hands. Mm-hmm.
2: Witnesses would later go on to testify, because that's where it goes, yeah. that they saw the two talking in hushed low tones, which soon led way to angrier, more aggressive speech on both sides. Effie began to run away from Luke yelling, Murderer! Murderer! and begging basically for everybody to save her. Luke revealed a revolver and would go on to fire at her a total of two times. Uh-huh. Then according to newspaper articles at the time, passengers tried to intervene, but Luke managed to fire once more at close range. So about 10 inches away from her into her back. This shot most definitely being fatal.
1: Yeah. It's not a place. Good shot.
2: Yeah. One of the other ones might've been, fa- this will actually be very important to the story of which was the fatal shot. Mm. The whole incident started on the Detroit side of the river. Oh. Mm -hmm. But by the third shot, the boat was clearly on the Canadian side of the river. A man named David A. Davis quickly struck Luke with a chair, took away the revolver, and detained him below deck until a constable was able to take him.
1: Constable.
2: Afterwards, to the crowd, Luke denounced Effie as his unfaithful wife.
1: She cheated on me. I had the right to kill her, basically.
2: It was kind of just like, she cheated on me. It's her fault. I know what I did. We'll have some quotes later. Okay. So it was very important. Did this happen in Detroit or Windsor? Was it Michigan or Canada or Michigan You're, or Ontario? Was it U.S. or can't? Well, the U.S. Yeah. or Canada, actually. Because you see at the time, in Michigan, there was no more capital punishment by measures of a hanging. Okay. But in Windsor, for murder... This was still quite
0: possible. Ooh.
2: Once on shore, Luke was taken to Sandwich Jail in Windsor to await judicial decision. Many rumors about the whys of the whole thing began to circulate. It was in newspapers. Some of my sources today wore newspapers from the time or from like the next decade or so. Many stories indicated that Luke was drunk as early as that morning and had attempted to find Harry Livingstone. And that's why he had the revolver on his person. Yeah. So at this point, Luke is sitting in the jail in Windsor. However, he was not there that long. This is when we take a very interesting side detour into what Luke did. He was put into the cell with another prisoner named Bucky Greenwood. Some accounts say that he was also there for murder. Some say he was a professional thief. Doesn't really matter, but...
1: Some kind of criminal. Yes.
2: Regardless of the reasons for Bucky being there, though, the two came up with a plan to escape. Some sources say there were extra men involved. However, this was an article from not too long after that I got most of this information for this next bit from. So we're going to kind of go with that version. Okay. Bucky was visited by a mysterious woman who may have brought him something. Mm -hmm. She might have been able to slip him a little file. This is the most
1: like cliche prison, cliche prison break. It. Yeah.
2: So Luke and Bucky devised a plan. Luke would sing or whistle to drown out the sound while Bucky worked on filing the bars, generally in the evening times. One night, Bucky had filed all the way through and he managed to slip out. And then he managed to get out of the building through a narrow opening to escape. Luke followed. Problem, though, is that he managed to get stuck on the way out. Oh, no. Bucky tried for a bit to help him, but eventually he had to flee because it's kind
1: of... Sorry, man. I did the best I could.
2: Mm -hmm. So Luke struggled for a bit longer, but eventually was able to get loose with a wrench. Somehow, I don't know where he got this wrench. But basically, the way he was stuck and using this wrench, the force of having to kind of squeeze through and use this tool caused himself to hurl himself over a wall of some sort. Okay. The fall would cause him severe bruising and almost knock him out completely. Which is not good for an escape a ton. No. He came through, though, when he heard voices from the jail. And so he scrambled for a place to hide. So he was out. Yeah. Luke spotted a nearby graveyard. As one does, but he couldn't see very well. And he fell into a freshly dug grave.
1: As one does. (laughs) Like... This is all so cliche, like... Like, this could have been a Looney Tunes script, and I would have been like, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah. After he regained strength, he started to hear murmurs, and he realized there was a burial in progress. He felt earth coming down on him.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Eventually, the murmurs stopped, though, and he realized that the group had left. He tried to move, but he almost felt paralyzed under the weight of it all. But then he managed to sit up. This is when he realized he'd heard the burial of another nearby grave and that there was nothing on top of him. What? He just like imagined dirt falling on he, him. He, he took a tumble. Yeah. Two tumbles. Yeah. He took two very large tumbles. So he stood up and he saw a fresh pile of earth nearby and then he laughed to himself because this is hilarious.
1: Oh, ho, ho. Oh, I'm imagining things that I'm escaping. I was buried
2: alive. Right. Somebody else was buried. <laughs> it's right there, that mound of dirt. And then he also he saw the lights from the jail in the distance and so he was like, "Oh yeah. Shit, gotta go. I got to do something about this." So he got out of the hole and it took him about an hour to get out. Again, he was pretty injured at this point too. Yeah. So he then limped across a road and a field on all fours to reach the river. And he reached the river about an hour after midnight. He managed to find an old boat with a bunch of water sitting in the bottom. And he was like, yes. He looked around, found a wooden board, used it as a paddle. By morning, he had reached about nine miles downstream somewhere in Detroit. And he then traveled to a friend's house who took him in. And there his friend fed him, clothed him and helped him to regain strength. When his wounds were healed and he felt stronger, he left Detroit determined
1: to start a new life. Dang. What a crazy story! Uh-huh. What a crazy and just like I think that like every jail cliche was based off of this true life story. I think so too, and I'm,
2: it's not there's not a lot of source material for this, uh, and I'm shocked.
0: Yeah, I loved that. Uh, That's such a well, I mean, no. not
2: yeah, it's not great, but also right. what? And just a little side note, let's check in on Bucky for two seconds. He's sure. gonna disappear after this, but he made it down to Mexico and it, that
0: for him. Mm-hmm,
2: it should be noted. There was no extradition treaty with Canada at the time with Mexico. So makes sense. He was free.
1: That's crazy to think mm-hmm. that like back in the day, like, well, if you escaped the country, you escaped the crime. I know. It. <sighs> now there's laws times. about like sharing files across country borders mm-hmm. being illegal. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it definitely gets messy when you, you start to do that and it definitely does change things, but not like, This,
1: yeah, no, this was a very. Mm -hmm.
2: It makes certain things more difficult, but it's not that they're not going to happen,
0: right? Basically,
2: Mm -hmm. oh, so let's get back to our jackass of the hour, Luke. Yeah, so he made it to the Chicago area, specifically a newly formed industrial town called Pullman, which is about 13 miles south of the city. He found work in a non-temperance hotel called the Florence, and he thought he had made it. He's like, I did it. Yeah. But Canadian authorities weren't about to let him go that easily, at
1: least. Dang. They went out to Canada or Chicago for him?
2: Well, orders were issued to capture him wherever he might be, and Detective John Wilson Murray was put on the case. He sent out descriptions of Phipps to police headquarters basically everywhere he could. Yeah. Take this next bit with a grain of salt, yeah. but if this happened...
0: Chef's Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. In the meantime, Sheriff McGowan of Ex- Essex County, Ontario, had recently lost his job. You see, he was let go for mismanaging Windsor's Sandwich Jail, <laughs> the one Luke and Becky had escaped from. Yeah. This wasn't the jail's only escape in recent times, though, either. There was a whole other thing that had happened a little bit earlier. McGowan admitted that he had not inspected the jail for over two years. He had been in this position for 30 years, though. Yeah. And some sources say that it was his son who eventually recognized Luke Phipps in Pullman, Illinois, Uh which if that happened.
1: Like, hey, dad, that's nuts. Got your job back. (laughs) Come get him.
2: So Luke was arrested by authorities and he was taken to jail in Chicago for a time and extradition to Canada was in his future. Uh He hired a lawyer who tried to show that the shooting happened in American waters and Phipps should not be extradited. Lawyer fought for him to be tried instead in Michigan, again, where capital punishment was not an option. Mm-hmm. But Detective Murray was able to prove that the captain and passengers of the boat all declared the incident, specifically that final indefinitely fatal blow happening on the Canadian side of the river. Yeah. Under the custody of Detective Murray, Luke was transported back. However, the two stopped in De- Detroit for like a day first. Yeah. Murray had actually taken a liking to Luke during all of this. Uh-huh. And he would go on to tell the story of how he took Luke one last time to Michigan Exchange to see some friends. And there, Detective Murray actually advocated for Luke's friends to donate money so that Luke could hire a good defense lawyer. Yeah. For his next trial. Yeah. And Detective Murray even donated a hefty sum to this yeah. as well. If they could go down Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he had fond memories. Luke then asked the detective if they could yeah. go down to Jefferson to see the house he'd once lived in with Effie and the kids, because he had fond memories and he just wanted to see it one more time.
1: So they did. That. Oh yeah.
2: The next day, Luke was extradited back across the river, and that meant prosecution by the crown. The case was. This is mm-hmm. The case was tried in Sandwich, Ontario, on April twenty fifth, eighteen eighty four. Witnesses were called to the stand, most with very similar versions of the story. The two were talking, there was a shot, Effie ran and screamed, a second shot followed, and eventually a third close-range one was fired. Several people tried to talk to Luke afterwards, asking him why he shot into a crowd of people or why he'd done it, to which he answered things like, quote, You may do just as you please with me. I know what I did. I shot my wife. And then the constable, who went on, to apprehend him noted that Phipps said to him, quote, I shot my wife. I knew whom I was shooting. So like. No No denying, no denial here whatsoever. There was particular attention paid again to where in the river the incident happened. Yeah. And it was ultimately decided that the first shot may have been on the Detroit side, but that the last irrefutably deadly one was on the Canadian side. David A. Davis, the man who detained Luke and hit him with a chair testified that it was not even two minutes between the third shot and reaching the Canadian shore. So others who were not witnesses but knew the couple were called to the stand as character witnesses. Yeah. And one of them was a man named William Stewart who had lived with the couple for a time. He testified that although they had four children, Effie did nothing to care for them or the house. And he went on to discuss Luke's 30 days in the House of Corrections, noting that during that time, Effie sold all of their furniture And added that one of the children had passed. Yeah. He noticed when Luke returned, he was concerned with Effie's actions. And he added that he had heard rumor that Luce went to the House of Corrections due to drunkenness or assault, but he had no proof. Huh. Robert Clark, another man who knew the couple, also took the stand. And he told them that Luke, Effie, and the kids stopped by at his house. He went on to state that Effie and a lawyer came and took the kids from the house, which upset Luke. And Luke was not in his right mind after this. Mm -hmm. The jury eventually went on to go and make their decision, which took 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And then the judge then sentenced Luke to death by hanging. So while he awaited the gallows in his cell, he was visited by Reverend Gray, a minister of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Windsor. And Reverend Gray would go on to note that Luke was quiet and contemplative. During this time, Luke also wrote an account of his story that would go on to be published after his hanging in several newspapers. Mm. However, some accounts refer to this as basically a five-page letter of begging for mercy rather than yeah anything else. Then on June seventeenth, eighteen eighty-four, the day of the hanging came around. The Toronto Daily Mail published a detailed account of the event, which word event is so yeah I don't know what you call it not an event no but that's just kind of how it was referenced in those days and that is very apparent as there were 200 tickets created for the day but about 1500 people showed up trying to get access to watch
1: I don't understand
2: I have no desire some accounts say that Luke um, complied and didn't fight it but other references Say that he never admitted his guilt in the situation, and he blamed Effie for it until his last breath. Now, here's an interesting side story that, t- with the hugest grain of salt ever, okay, I found this in one very random source that I cannot corroborate, but it's too good to not yeah put in. Probably farcical, but there is a grain of truth that we'll get to after. <laughs> no, if this happened, it's truly wild. This source tells a story that just after Luke's hanging, his body was taken to a group of doctors who wanted to try an experiment. Uh Uh-huh. Basically, they wanted to be Dr. Frankenstein. Cool. The experiment was to bring a body back to life using galvanized batteries. Okay. According to this legend, they succeeded. Phipps started to breathe again. However, local law enforcement freaked out and made the doctors halt the experiment and back away from the body. So he basically died a second time. Here's where I think there might be some truth. Okay. Another source indicated, and this is a less sci-fi version of it, that basically after he was taken down from the gallows, he did start to breathe again. So maybe he had not fully. Yeah. Because. Our bodies, if we don't freak out, can go for actually a surprising amount of time without air. Yeah. It's like a a very like mentally based thing. Yeah. Don't think that Luke was very Zen, but.
1: Maybe he was in that moment.
2: Maybe he was. But basically they took his body down and then he did start to breathe again for a moment, but not very long. In both of these stories, he died twice.
0: Hopefully he was down when they hooked his ass up to that battery, though. You know?
1: I just am like <laughs> the eighteen, the late eighteen hundreds are wild. People were like, "This is science,"
2: mm-hmm. and that's why I couldn't not include yeah, it oh, because it was like, if that did happen, that is just truly bonkers. But it is also strange that it wouldn't have come up in these other spaces. Right now, that being said, too, the newspapers that I read from that time period or closely within the next decade, like. The one that was a decade after was talking about his escape. uh uh-huh. And that was all the article was basically about. It mentioned, you know, yeah. the other things, but that was the focus of it. And the ones from, I read a couple others from the time, I don't think this would have been reported yet. Does that make no, sense? No, for so, sure.
1: Like, they would have reported the hanging was happening, and then, like, the next edition wouldn't come out for, like, a week.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, maybe somewhere out there, there is an article that exists. yeah. But- This was on like something called Quizlet.com.
1: Okay. I think I used to use it for flashcards.
2: (laughs) It was flashcards. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Regardless, though. Interesting. Yeah. But what I can say
2: is true is that when all was said and done, Reverend Gray gave prayers and then Luke's body was transported across the Detroit River, where there was a group of women led by his former landlord named Mrs. Clark, who received the remains. His body was taken to Blake Funeral Home. One source indicated that there was a large funeral where a large crowd showed up to pay respects. No, nah, that doesn't
1: that doesn't sound right.
2: Maybe to see. Maybe the, you spectacle. Know, the spectacle of it. Uh, again, this was just one small blip that said it.
1: Yeah. This is for like board games and radio shows.
2: Yeah, who knows? I think there
1: there were games. No, there were. There definitely were board games. I was just thinking about Monopoly, which didn't come out until like later in the 1900s. Parcheesi. Parcheesi is an old one. Checkers. Checkers. Chinese checkers. Chess. So they had had reasons not to be at someone's funeral. Yeah. Who they didn't know. Maybe they knew. I don't know.
2: I'm just going to leave us with this. One of my sources indicated... That Luke and Effie are actually buried side by side in unmarked graves in Woodmere Cemetery. Specifically, these graves are located in Section A, Lot 840, Numbers 13 and 14. Okay. And that is the story of Luke and Effie Phipps, the man who may have died twice. All the things.
0: What an interesting story. Mm-hmm.
2: Real quick, my sources. Oh, yeah. Hook Norton Local History Group, which is hooknorton.org. The Ordway New Era, Volume 7, Number 51 from February 26th of 1909. Quizlet.com, 313 Detroit flashcards. A Little Dash of Blood on the Mitten by Tom Carr. A book. Mm. Little Dash from BobLowSteamers.com. And a Little Dash of Wikipedia.
0: Lovely. Well, that was a crazy story. Okay, this is the jurisdictions. You know, like that yeah. was very interesting, and that's what drew
2: me to the story. Is yeah, that's just interesting. But when you throw in a jailbreak, it's just the layers, and then a Dr. Frankenstein situation on top of it. I
1: right. was a buddy story.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything forgot
2: about the blood, the buddy story, even because of everything. There was so much. Yeah.
1: Well, I think you've earned a two truths and a lie. Yay. Excellent. And I actually did find about Julia Child.
2: That tracks for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just loving this show so much. Mm-hmm. It's like set right after uh the Mastering the Art of French cooking came out. Okay. So she was like that. They moved back to Cambridge and she's like ends up doing a book show, They like on a public TV, and makes an omelet on this book show. And then people are like, we like this and so she kind of became like the first not the first but like the one who like kind of made food shows work yeah oh yeah and also just Julia Child's like she's the reason we're not all eating just like tuna noodle casserole every night I oh yeah like. tuna noodle casserole I got I, you know the consonants they're so hard That's, they are sometimes but fact number one mm-hmm. the first thing Julia Child cooked was shark repellent fact number which two which does that even mean <laughs> I don't understand what that means. The first thing she made was shock repellent. Okay, go on. Fact number two. Despite being nominated many times, Julia never won an Emmy for the French Chef. That's the name of her show. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, I know.
1: Okay. Fact number three. The French Chef became the first TV program to be captioned for the deaf.
0: Ooh, interesting. One is so weird, but... You could have done a little trickery on that one and just changed one thing. Two is believable in the fact that it's unbelievable. You are tricky. We're going to go number two. Number two is a lie. Oh, I did it. Okay. Yeah. So I'll get to that one last. But basically...
1: The shark repellent thing is true.
2: That's weird, and I don't so, understand.
1: So she grew up in Pasadena, like, with money. So, like, mm-hmm. they had a cook. So and she a shark didn't... problem. Well, no. The shark problem came when she was working with the Office of Strategic Services, which was, like, the before the CIA, basically, mm-hmm. with war efforts. And they basically... They were having problems with sharks messing with, like, bombs or something. And so she's like, let's just make shark repellent. And so she, <laughs> it was technically the first thing she cooked was shark repellent. Was that okay. before she met Paul and, like, actually started learning to cook.
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: French Chef was the first TV program to be captioned for the deaf. It was in 1972 and it was open captioning versus closed captioning. Oh, okay. Which, like, I had to look up what that meant. Yeah. And basically, open captioning means that, like, you can't turn it off. Like, closed captioning. Oh, it
2: had to be there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense because that technology.
1: It was, like, it was either second, there sure. or it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, number two is the lie. She won one Emmy in 1966 for achievements in educational television. It appears to be the first and only time that award was given.
0: Oh,
2: so they made it for her? No, they didn't (laughs) necessarily
1: make it for her, but like, and maybe it's just like a category they're trying for one year, but she's like, it seems to be the only person who's won that. Interesting. And then she also won for other TV shows in 1996 and 2001 and was nominated five other times.
2: Okay. She deserves it and more.
1: Yes. Plus she was six too.
2: Yeah, I know. Which just is phenomenal. Yes. Love a tall woman.
1: I do too. And she's inspired me that I need taller countertops in my kitchen because Paul made her taller countertops. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't hurt your back. Yeah. My mom needs taller countertop too.
1: It's just nice. Yeah. It's nice to have. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. We must build like a wooden box to put on top of the counter (laughs) where I'm working. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Oh, uh, well, thank you for that. I I will always love learning more about Julia.
1: You need to watch the show. You would love it. I'm
2: not going to lie. I'm probably going to put it off for a while and then for I'll get sure. around to it and I'll be like, yeah, you were right.
1: That's it's still airing. So probably by the time you get around to it, it'll be perfect.
2: I love waiting. Yeah, until it's, it's like episode
1: loud. four just came out last week. I think okay. there's at least four more.
2: Yeah. Well, and I made the mistake of watching the girl from Plainville from the, the get go. Yeah. And also I also Moon Knight.
1: I keep seeing posters for that, but I couldn't tell you anything about well, it. Well, here's the thing. It's I thought Marvel. it was a movie. It's a show. It's a it? show.
2: It was like a weekend night, and I was like, perfect. I'm going to make some popcorn. I'm going to watch Moon yeah. Night. This is my movie night. And then it, the episode ended. And I was like, oh, this is a show. And they had two out at the time.
1: They love to do that. If they're going to do like a... If you're gonna do a timed release, they usually give you like two or three episodes, just enough to get hooked, mm-hmm. and then it's just weekly after mm-hmm. that. Which mm-hmm. you know I do appreciate, because it makes me not blow through them. Mm-hmm. But now you have to wait for it. Now.
2: I was more disappointed that it was a TV show than and not a movie. Uh, yeah, I get that. because I was in a movie mood at the time. But I look forward to watching it. I do love my MCU stuff, so yeah, I will definitely be
0: finishing it. Yeah. So. I got to go. I got to go watch some TV now. Yes. (laughs) We are wrapped up. We are wrapped like. We'll get there in a second. We are wrapped like a file you (laughs) sneak to somebody. Yes. We are wrapped
1: like an episode of television. Yes. That's a wrap. Mm -hmm. Cut. Cut, print, action. I don't know. Wow. That's a very confusing order. It really is. <laughs> Cut print action. <laughs> well, this is not a, a movie production podcast.
2: Thank God. No,
1: okay. I'm just kidding. I do love movies, but I do not know everything. Um, what? I know, but I think until next time. Wait, we haven't plugged that. We well, sure <laughs> haven't. Well, if you want to follow us on our social media, follow us at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, Detroit Strange at gmail.com. Send us anything.
2: I will say this is what we get for doing this on a weeknight. Yeah. If you want to support the show, tell a friend, join us on Patreon. We got our threadless shop. Give us a five-star review on the old Apple music. That
0: would be fantastic. But I think. Until next time, stay stay strange. strange.
2: This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Stacks and Violence. Detroit Strange. Got loopy.
1: We did. We I was gonna ridden. say when you're like tell a friend, I'm like, if you're in an elevator right now, turn to the person next to you and just and say whisper in their ear. <laughs> Have you heard of Detroit Strange?
2: <laughs> That's how we should tell people to tell people though, is by whispering in their ear. Yes. Listen to Detroit
0: Stray. ASMR.
2: <laughs> Although then it seems like we're trying to do like weird uh
1: culty things.
2: Yeah, I don't like that. No.
1: Not
0: all about that life. Nor Oh, I guess I'll stop recording now.